Welcome to the Junkets Games Podcast. In this episode, you'll be hearing the audio from the game's radar vlog that I recorded in September of 2021. In that, I discussed 32 new games that were new to me over the last eight or so weeks, and I do cover them in alphabetical order. Now, I do want to mention that the only reason this podcast is being made is because of the direct support that comes in through the Patreon campaign for the channel. If you enjoy listening to my vlogs in podcast form like this, then I do hope that you would consider directly supporting that campaign, and you can learn more about it by going to patreon.com slash Games. The final thing that I'd like to ask is that if you have any questions or comments about anything I say here today, that you please leave those as a comment on the YouTube page for the vlog, and you can find a link to that in the description of this podcast. Well, let's now start talking about these games, and for each of them, I'm going to be using the Board Game Geek page to look at some details. Now, the first one is Seven Wonders Architects, and this is actually a sort of re-implementation of Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders came out back in, I think, 2009, and it was a hand-drafting, engine-building-style game. And this game is a simpler version of that. In fact, there is no hand-drafting at all. In this game, players are going to be uh, shuffling up little decks of cards and putting them between each of them. And on your turn, you simply draw the top card from one of the decks between you and your right or left-handed opponent, or you could draw a random card from the middle of the table. And then these cards might give you points, they might get you these uh, scientific advancements, but for the most part, it seems like they give you resources, and then you spend those resources to build out your wonder. You are an architect in this case, I guess, and you actually flip over these tokens and then get various bonuses and victory points for it. So it is a simpler game overall. You're not passing hands of cards around. You're simply choosing one of the two face-up cards, or you take a face-down card. And this game does seem pretty interesting from a light perspective. Uh, I watched an overview video that Eric Martin put up, and he had a great point that this is a game that you can just start playing and teach while you go, explaining what the different icons are on the cards. If somebody draws a random card, you just flip it up and then explain what that does. It seems very simple and probably not the kind of thing that I'm going to be running out to get a copy of for our gaming group because I think it's probably on the too simple side for us, but it's certainly a game I wouldn't mind trying, and it's definitely a game that I like uh, knowing it exists. I feel like this could be a lot of fun to play with um, younger opponents as well. Um, it just seems like a really clean design. It just maybe doesn't have enough there to super engage me, but I figured you might want to learn about it. After that, we now have Age of Trains. Uh, now, this one had a Kickstarter campaign that, that was canceled. Um, I think they're going to be putting out a new one. And I think part of the reason it was canceled is because there were no gameplay videos of how this game works. Uh, and I don't even think they had the rules up. But one thing they do have is a really beautiful looking game. Uh, I love the overall art aesthetic that's going on here. And this is a train-themed game, a logistics game. And I believe it's a pick-up-and-deliver game where you're moving these cubes around these tracks that you are laying on the board to probably get victory points or money for them. I'm not really sure the details of it, and I don't really know actually any other specifics. Uh, maybe this game has stocks, maybe it doesn't. I kind of feel like it probably doesn't from what I see over here. And I've seen some people ask, like, um, how does this compare to Steam or Age of Steam? And I don't know the answer to that. I'm honestly one of those people asking that question. Uh, on Board Game Geek, it does say that Age of Trains is 60 to 90 minutes, which I believe is shorter than Age of Steam, although I've not actually played Age of Steam, so I can't say for sure. But either way, this game looks beautiful, and it has a theme and some mechanics that I like. Uh, so I'm just hoping to see some more content and maybe the rules and maybe some videos about it when they end up putting this back up on Kickstarter, because I think I'm pretty likely to back it. I just need to know more about how it actually plays. 
Next up, we have Arc Nova, which is um, probably the biggest surprise for me on this list, or at least uh, the biggest whiplash moment when I went from knowing nothing to this game to knowing something, and this just skyrocketed to pretty much the top of my excitement list. Uh, the first thing that jumped out to me when I was just cruising through is the fact that it's being published by Foyland Spiel. Um, now, they published Terra Mystica, Gaia Project, uh, many other games that I can't think of off the top of my head at the moment, but they put out... Uh, medium to usually heavier weight Euro games, and I do really enjoy those games. And in Arc Nova, it says you design a modern zoo, and you run a successful park, and you support conservation projects. Now, that doesn't really do much to pull me in, but um, there are a couple of images on BGG, and there was also a video that somebody made, uh, and they discussed it using a print-and-play version of the game, and after watching that, I got super intrigued. Uh, now, this game apparently has a strong terraforming Mars vibe. You have this massive deck of animal cards and you're only gonna see, I guess, a small fraction of them and they're all different. And in this game, you are going to be getting those cards, playing those animals out, putting them into various enclosures in your zoo, and then those will have synergistic bonuses that apply to other animals, I think, or maybe other areas. Uh, apparently, you don't just put animals in your zoo, you can also put parks and whatnot. Uh, but a big thing that jumped out to me, in addition to the terraforming Mars uh, comparison, because I love that game, is the action selection system. Uh, now, the image on BoardGameGeek is pretty small, but every player has five actions, and I think you have the same five. And on your turn, you choose one of those, and the position of that card in this row dictates how strong that action will be. So if it's in the second position, then it's a value two action, and if it's in the fifth position, it's a value five. And then after you do that action, you slide everything over and then put the action you just chose into the lowest value. So it has that wonderful incentivization mechanic that comes from uh, Civilization, New Dawn, and maybe some other games. Uh, I love that idea. I love the idea of um, getting some Terraforming Mars combos with, like, tons and tons of different animals, and I also like the fact that you are building out a park in front of you. Again, the image is rather small, but you're actually putting little pieces down uh, for enclosures and, and, you know, playgrounds and, I guess, you know, food stands and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this game just looks like a lot of Euro-y fun. It seems like it probably has a decent-sized rules teach. BGG says it's a 90 to 150-minute game, so definitely on the heavier and longer side, but I'm really excited about this one. This looks super cool, and it's my understanding that this will be an Essen release for Feuerland Spiel. Uh, I'm not going to Essen this year, but if I was, this would probably be one of the top five, top two, I don't know. I would be most excited to get this game, maybe tied with Boon Lake or something like that, which I'm actually going to be talking about soon. All right, let's move on to the next game, and this one is Avatar. Uh, the reason this one jumped out to me is the designer combo and the publisher. The publisher is Cranio Creations, and the designers are Simone Luciani and uh, Danilo Sabia. Now, I said the designer duo. I am actually not familiar with Danilo, but Simone Luciani has designed a ton of Euro games. Um, I've liked some of them. I haven't liked others, but I've always respected the designs, and I'm always curious to see what Simone Luciani is going to be doing next. And in this game, it says um, your ancient alien civilization is leaving its dying planet in search of a new homeland. The promised land is represented by the Earth, which is home to the magnificent human civilization of Atlantis and a large number of minor human towns. But be aware, other alien civilizations also have the same goal, and only one of you will be able to dominate the Earth. Um, now, another thing that jumped out to me about this is it says Avatar is a 4X Euro game. And I used to love 4X style games, like Eclipse was one of my favorite games for a long time, and I've played many others, but I've kind of shifted away from it and become more of a Euro gamer over the years, and seeing a 4X style game that is also a Euro game at its heart um, definitely gets me quite interested. It seems like 
you are doing probably all four of the X's. Um, you have recruits and you are going to be building bases and you're going to be uh, developing technology. And there are some other specifics that show up in this description. But at the moment, there are no images. And that's not too surprising considering this is listed as a 2022 release. Uh, but yeah, I'm super interested to learn more about this. I love the overall theming. We have the science fiction and kind of mythological thing all smashing together. And I am just super curious to see where this one goes. Next up, we have Azul Queen's Garden. Now, this is the next up in the now pretty long Azul line of games. I think this is the fourth one. And this one was just announced a day or two ago, I think. Um, now, <laughs> there's essentially no details for how the game plays on BoardGameGeek. Uh, right now, there's a very small description saying, um, you know, in Azul Queen's Garden, players are tasked with arranging a magnificent garden for the king's lovely wife by arranging beautiful plants, trees, and ornamental features. It says it uses the innovative drafting mechanism that's signature to the overall Azul series, but then you have some other stuff going on. And there is an image of the box cover, and they have an image of what the game looks like being played. And this is a big reason why I started to get excited, because the first thing is, all of the tiles are hexes. Uh, in all of the previous Azul titles, I believe, the tiles were square, and also, there just appears to be more going on. Um, you are placing these hex type uh, tiles down into your area, but you also have these uh, larger tiles that can hold seven of these hexes, and there's kind of a storage board off to the side, and it appears you're going to place them from your storage board onto your main area where you're placing these tiles down, probably scoring points for being adjacent to other things, and it, it seems like it's got um, tile laying on tile laying, where you put big tiles down and then put smaller ones on top of it. Um, this isn't the first game that I've seen to do that kind of thing, but I have enjoyed seeing that in the past, and I'm just super intrigued to see where this one goes. Um, I saw some tweets about it that seem to intone that this one is probably the most complex out of all of the Azul games. And I know a big part of why people love Azul, especially the first one, is that it was so streamlined. So adding more complexity isn't going to be something everyone will be excited about. But for me, I'm super intrigued to see where this one's going. Next up, we have Bardwood Grove. Uh, now, I actually learned about this one when the publisher, Final Frontier Games, reached out to me a few days ago asking if I could make a sponsored video for a Kickstarter campaign for it that's going to be going up in just a few weeks. I said yes, so that is going to be happening. Uh, but beyond that, I think there's some pretty interesting stuff going on here with the description. Uh, first of all, uh, Final Frontier Games is the same publisher who put out Merchant's Cove, which was a big box with a whole bunch of great-looking stuff inside of it. Um, now, in this game, it says Bardwood Grove is a tableau composition Euro game where each player assumes the role of a fantastical bard. Um, now, right off the bat, that's a fun setting for sure. And then um, down here, it says on each of the player's turns, you draw two cards from their unique skill deck, and you play one into your story, which is your discard pile, and you get an immediate benefit. And the other one is played into your song, which is your tableau. And then I'm assuming that will have ongoing benefits as well. I haven't actually read the rules to this game just yet. I've just seen the description here and agreed to do a uh, instructional video for it. Um, but I love the theming idea of a Euro game about bards, and I like that um, uh, framework that I've seen so far. Draw two cards, and you have to figure out which one goes into your tableau to stay and which one goes into your discard, and you have to make that decision with both of these. And um, I've enjoyed decision spaces like that in the past, uh, like uh, for games like La Isla, where you have three cards and there are three areas, and you have to put one card into all three of them. Um, that was my favorite part of that game. And so I'm super intrigued by about this one, and I'm probably going to learn more about it uh, rather soon because I am going to be making a video for it. Uh, after that, we now have Boon Lake, which I briefly mentioned earlier on as being one of the uh, other games that I'm super excited about that is having an Essence Spiel release that I would be desperately trying to get a copy of 
if I happen to be going to Essenspiel this year. Um, now, this is the latest uh, mid-to-heavyweight Euro design by Alexander Pfister, and there's actually the full rulebook for the game online, but we also have an image of what this game looks like. Um, now, I briefly skimmed through the rulebook just to have an idea about how this game plays so that I could explain it to you, and it seems like at its heart, on your turn, the first thing that you do is you're going to choose an action tile from this big stack of action tiles. It's essentially uh, a list of them, and the farther down you go, the different way it actually is going to be uh, activated. So I think that's actually kind of similar to Arc Nova that I talked about earlier as well, although this is communal. Um, if you pick from too far down, you actually start to lose victory points. But then after choosing one of these, um, you can potentially play a card that you have in your hand, and I don't really know how those work, but they look like your standard Alexander Pfister cards with icons and victory points and art and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you can do the action on the tile, and then everyone will do the action that's printed on the far right hand of the tile. So that means not only are you choosing an action from a communal pool that is going to be incentivized differently as they are kind of trickling up on the stack, but also everyone else gets to do something on your turn. And I love it when I'm playing a game and I get to do stuff on other players' turns. Um, there's probably going to be, you know, downtime and potential analysis paralysis in a game of this weight. But, you know, if somebody's taking their turn and suddenly they say, okay, now everybody can move their boat. You're like, cool, I'm going to move my boat. In fact, just by choosing the tile, everyone can see what the action will be that they will get to do. So the active player chooses a tile and then maybe he's thinking about the cards they're doing and various uh, choices they have for their actions. And everybody else can already be simultaneously thinking about what they're going to do with the um, uh, communal action that's associated with that specific tile. Um, now, out on the board, there's hexagon tiles, there's different uh, tokens, and there are these rivers. And apparently on each one of your turns, you can also move down the river, and there's some forked paths. And that's essentially as far as I got in the rulebook. It's um, not a crazy long rulebook, but I had 32 games I wanted to refresh myself on, so I didn't want to dig uh, too deep into Boon Lake. Um, I dug deep enough to know that this game looks super interesting. Um, there's a player board with a bunch of tokens on it and spaces to put things that you can cover up. It seems like there's a lot of, um, again, medium to heavyweight Euro tropes that are going on here, and Alexander Pfister tends to be very good at designing those games. So I'm super excited to, uh, well, I guess, learn more about Boon Lake. I could learn everything about it by reading the rules. Um, I will probably try to do that, but there's a lot going on. Either way, I'm excited about Boon Lake, and this is one I definitely want to try at some point. All right, we now have Brazil. Uh, now, this is listed as a 2022 release, but when I looked at the Board Game Geek forums, there are posts from five years ago <laughs> talking about it being postponed. So it seems like this game has been uh, known by some people for a very long time. Um, supposedly, it's getting published next year. I'm, I'm not really sure. But um, coming back to the game, um, a big reason why I'm interested in it now, or at least interested in learning more, is because it's published by What's Your Game, who puts out good uh, Euro games for sure. And it's designed by Nuno Santiero and Paolo Soledad, who have designed many games together. And I didn't do that research. I forgot to <laughs> look that up. They've, they've designed many games. I just can't remember any of them at the moment. But either way, moving on to this game, uh, it says it's a 120-minute game, and it says Brazil is a game about gold mining in the 18th century Brazil when explorers started to travel throughout the country and discover um, this new region of black gold along the way. Um, now, it says this is a game played with cards, uh, more than a simple game about mining. It requires players to combine their actions to develop the region by building essential infrastructure like houses, stores, farms, churches, and roads. Players build their path to wealth by keeping in mind the changing characteristics of the region and the moves and needs of other players, as well as the common good of the vibrant and prosperous Villa Riga. Uh, now, from mechanisms, it says there's a modular board, push your luck, variable powers, and worker placement. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff 
um, you know, vague stuff on Board Game Geek about this game, but no specifics. There's a, an image of the box cover, but no image of what the board looks like. So I'm curious. I'd like to learn more. Actually, it looks like there are some more images. I was wrong. Um, when we look over, they're just prototype images, but it looks like there's a three by three grid with a bunch of tokens on them. I'm not really sure why this didn't show up before. Uh, so I'm seeing these for the first time right here. But um, yeah, there's a bunch of components. Uh, in one of these, it looks like there's hexagons. So there's a bunch of photos, but it's obviously going through a bunch of uh, iterative uh, development steps. So I'm not sure which one of these are actually accurate. But either way, I'm quite curious to learn more about Brazil. After that, we now have Brazil Imperial. <laughs> uh, the first one, or the one I just said, was spelled B-R-A-S-I-L, and this one is uh, spelled B-R-A-Z-I-L. Uh, so Brazil Imperial is not being published by the same publisher as before, and there's a whole bunch of vibrant uh, images of what this one looks like on BGG. Uh, down below, it says, you take on the role of one of the great monarchs of the past and show your valor. You will arrive in a vast, rich territory, but the road to prosperity is filled with challenges. Um, in Brazil Imperial, you need to construct buildings, manage resources, explore the land, create trade, acquire the support of the greatest personalities of the country, and recruit a powerful army to protect your interests against rival states. Um, that's quite a bit <laughs> right there. And in fact, if we look at down farther in the description, which is pretty lengthy, it says that Brazil Imperial was developed uh, with a concept of being a Euro X game. So this is actually the second one of those Euro-y uh, 4X style games that I've talked about today. So maybe that's a thing that more people are doing. Uh, there's a game called Voidfall, which I've talked about in a previous one of these that I think is also trying to be a Euro-y 4X game. So maybe that's in style right now. If it is, I'm totally down for it uh, because I really like that combination. Uh, it says, uh, coming back to here, uh, that this is a new style of game that combines Euro games in which you collect and manage resources with 4X games in which you explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. Each game, you can focus on resource management, combat, or a combination of both, depending on your choice of Monarch and the interaction that you have with the different players. Um, so again, uh, there's a bunch of photos of what this game looks like on BGG, and um, these photos look really nice. There's some great components, uh, different shaped wooden pieces, lots of colorful art, lots of cardboard all over the place. Uh, this doesn't seem like it's going to be the most elegant of games, and I don't mean that negatively. It seems like there's going to be a lot of different mechanisms at play. Um, the board area, it looks like, is modular, like you have tiles stacked on top of each other. It did say that you explore, so perhaps you actually add new tiles and stack them. I don't know the actual specifics, but um, this game is vibrant. It looks um, quite interesting overall, and I'm looking forward to, you know, maybe seeing a video about it. Uh, it also says that it plays one to four players in 100 minutes, which is certainly on the shorter side than I would expect for a game with this much stuff in it. So uh, that honestly increases my intrigue for the game even more. All right, next up we have Card Rails Junction. Uh, this one is a new design that's being worked on by Travis Hill and published by Pressbot Games, which is the publisher that Travis Hill runs. It's just Travis. Uh, Travis is a friend of mine, and he's designed several Cube Rails style games. In fact, I'm going to be talking about a couple more later on in this specific radar video. Um, but one of them is Card Rails, which I've talked about in a good games vlog. It was great. I really liked it. And I've actually played a bunch of games with Travis. He's also a great person. But either way, moving back to this game, um, this is called Card Rails Junction. And much like Card Rails, which uh, came out last year, I think, um, this is a Cube Rails um, uh, train and stock type game that primarily just uses cards. And in fact, I think for Card Rails Junction, it just uses cards. In the original Card Rails, there were also some cubes. Um, now, the way this game works, I believe, is you are um, going to be auctioning off shares in different companies like you do in so many of these uh, Cube Rails style games. But you also are going to be laying track in this really interesting linear but crossing paths pattern. Um, on your turn, I think you either 
build with the cards or you can um, start auctions and take them as stock, the cards are double-sided. And when you place these cards out, you don't just make the tracks longer. You can uh, swerve into other track lanes. And when the game is over, um, I believe you get um, money or points equal to your stock value times the longest route that you can trace out of that specific company. Um, I love the look of these cards laid out with the uh, intersecting uh, uh, tracks. In fact, they don't intersect, they cross over each other. But either way, I like the way it aesthetically looks. And I love the idea of another one of these games with multi-use cards where your card can be a share or it could be some track that you're laying out, um, which is also part of Card Rails, the first game. But these games are definitely different. Like they share some DNA in the fact that they're both predominantly card games, but it seems like mechanically they are quite different. Um, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to uh, being having a chance to try this one out. I haven't read the rules to it, but it seems like it's probably relatively quick. Um, there's images on the on BGG, and they have some player aids, and it says auction or pass, build or pass, so it looks like you're oh, dividend or pass as well. So you're going to be starting auctions, getting dividends for your companies, building out track, all stuff that I like in this kind of game. Uh, and the fact that it's just cards means the box can be certainly small, although the original card rails was small with those cubes in there. It says it's a 30 to 45 minute game for three to five players. And I'm just really excited to try this one out. Uh, next up, we have Cryptid Urban Legends. Uh, now, Cryptid was a competitive deduction style game that came out several years ago that I've never actually had a chance to play. And um, that was also, I think, published by Osprey Games. Um, now, it looks like this game is called Cryptid just from a thematic perspective. They're trying to pull in a cryptid universe. Uh, this game is a two-player game, and it is a asymmetric one. It's a cat and mouse style game. Uh, if we look down here, it says you play as a determined scientist manipulating heat, movement, and sonic sensors to scan the city, identify your quarry's true location, and capture them. Or you take on the role of a cryptid, snaking your way through the shadows in the back alleys of the metropolis that surrounds you, eliminating all evidence of your existence as you go, desperately avoiding capture. Those are some long sentences. <laughs> um, you uh, emerge victorious in this high-stakes game of cat and mouse uh, that is played across this sprawling landscape. Um, so down below, it specifically says this is a tense, asymmetric game of competitive deduction reasoning for two players from the creators of Cryptid. It says it's a 20 to 40 minute game, so it's probably not terribly complex from a rules perspective. Right now, there are no images of what the game actually looks like on BGG as far as I can see, uh, but that seems pretty cool. I've enjoyed other cat and mouse games like this, specifically two-player ones like... Um, Mr. Jack uh, and Mr. Jack Pocket. Both of those were really quite good. So yeah, um, this could be a neat addition to that overall um, type of game. I love the art on the box cover anyway, so that's a, a good start. And um, yeah, this looks like a game I'd certainly like to learn more about. I'm not sure if I'm going to rush out to try to get it, but um, I do like deduction and I know uh, Jessica likes deduction as well. So I'm going to keep this one in mind. Next up, we have Founders of Teotihuacan. Uh, this is being published by Board and Dice, which is the same publisher as Teotihuacan, which came out several years ago. Uh, now, there's a decent-sized description for this game, and somewhere in the middle of this, I can't remember, oh, there it is. It says, Founders of Teotihuacan is a standalone game related to Teotihuacan, City of the Gods, only by the shared setting of the ancient city of Teotihuacan. Thematically, the events of Founders takes place at an earlier time in history, while what was to become a magnificent city was yet in the infancy and only few inhabited the area. Uh, now, this is a Euro-style game. It says it's a, oh, 45 to 60 minute game. That's honestly quicker than I expected. Uh, there doesn't appear to be any images of what the game looks like, but the box cover is on BGG. And it says that this is a strategy game where you compete against your friends to create the best design of the city of Teotihuacan. Over the course of three to four rounds, you will place your action discs on the main board, forming towers of varying strength, strategically using 
using the bonuses they offer and you construct temples, resource buildings, and the pyramid central to your project. Um, you will balance generating resources and using them and finding goods locations in your city will prove to become increasingly difficult as you try to outwit your opponents. Um, now again, there's no images of what this looks like, but apparently you're stacking these action discs on top of each other to a maximum of four and I'm not really sure how the rest of it works, but I like the idea of stacked action discs. I like the idea of a 45 to 60 minute Euro game coming out from Board and Dice. Um, in general, I like the stuff that they put out, although it tends to maybe be a little bit more complex than I specifically like. So this one seems a little bit more my wheelhouse. And uh, yeah, I also just like working with Board and Dice. They're great people. They're one of my best clients. So, you know, I should mention that I'm super biased when it comes to Board and Dice. Uh, but um, either way, I think even without all that, I would still be quite intrigued to learn more about this one. Next up, we have Full Throttle with an exclamation point at the end. Uh, this is a new design by Friedman Fries, and it's a pretty quick one. It says it's a 20 to 40 minute game for two to six players. Uh, now there's a description down here, and it seems like this is a game all about moped racing. Um, you aren't the ones racing, you are betting on these uh, people that are racing the mopeds around. Now it's my understanding that these mopeds drive using a system in the game, like you have these cards and they say this moped moves this much, that moped moves that much. But the game also appears to have some sort of drafting element where um, you are choosing cards uh, and those cards are gonna be essentially your bets on those mopeds. But when you bet on a moped, you essentially slow them down because I believe the cards that are not chosen are primarily the ones that are going to move the mopeds around. I don't know any more of the specifics than that, but I've enjoyed uh, games like this in the past, like Winter Circle as well as Camel Up. Um, those are both games where people are racing or animals or whatever <laughs> are racing on the board and everyone's just betting to try and get the most money at the end, depending on how it plays out. The fact that this is a 20 to 40 minute game is an interesting length and the fact that it's designed by Friedman Fries also makes me intrigued. Um, in general, his games are not my favorite, but I'm always fascinated by them, if that makes sense. Uh, I respect a lot of the ideas that come out. There can certainly be some uh, interesting mechanical ideas that come out of Friedman Freeze games, even though I generally don't tend to end up loving them. Um, so I'm curious to learn more about this one. It's certainly one that I would uh, like to try at some point, but I don't think I'm going to rush out to try and get a copy of it. After that, we now have help with an exclamation point. It seems like that's a theme over here. Uh, now, this is a new card game from Amigo, and they put out all sorts of card games. And the interesting conceit about this game is that you get help from your opponents. Uh, this is a fully competitive game and you're gonna have cards in your hand and you have this river of cards in the middle of the table. Um, on your turn, you have to play a card into the middle of the table onto a slot unless it's full. I won't go into the specifics, but I believe you have to play a higher card or maybe the same value. Again, <laughs> I skimmed the uh, description, but either way, you're playing these cards with numbers out into the middle of the table. And if you can't play, then you can ask the person who just took their turn for help. The game is called help. And if they can help you, then they must. And when they help you, they simply take a card from their hand that they can legally play and they swap it with one of the cards in your hand and then you play it. And you know, you just got help from that opponent who's probably not super happy about it, but you know, those are the rules of the game. Uh, now you keep playing until one person cannot play a card and they also cannot get help from the previous player. And then the round ends and I think everyone else but that one player gets a point. Um, there's also these special uh, cards, um, special action cards. I don't fully understand. Um, you can put some of them out. They affect things in different ways. I do know that one of the cards is a no card. And if you have that in front of you, then you don't have to help the next person in line. So that sounds fun. Um, I like um, simple card games in general and I love 
love the conceit of this game, that it's fully competitive, but you sometimes are forced to help out your opponents. Um, maybe there's not enough there for me, but this is certainly one that I would love to try at some point to see um, if there is a, a really interesting core there, because it appears there might be, but it's the kind of thing that you can't really tell until you actually try. After that, we now have Into the Blue. Uh, this is a 2021 release uh, from Funny Fox Games designed by Reiner Knizia. And that's the main reason I'm talking about this right now. Uh, Reiner Knizia has published hundreds and hundreds of games. And in general, he's got some pretty cool ideas uh, for mechanics. And this is a rather simple game. It says it's a 15 to 25 minute game. And the rulebook is on BoardGameGeek. And I actually read the whole thing because this game is simple enough that it seemed like it was worth reading through it. Uh, now, this is a dice game where there are these six dice, and on your turn, you roll all six of them, and the dice have values one to five on them, plus a treasure uh, symbol. Um, now, after rolling these, you can reserve some of them and then re-roll again, reserve some and re-roll, and you can pull some back from your reserve. So this is standard Yahtzee-type dice rolling, and once you have re-rolled up to twice, then you're stuck. And then you use these dice, and you dive down, and you're trying to put these shells on the different levels of the board because you want to have a majority of your shells at that level when the game is over. Um, the trick here is that in order to dive, you have to roll at least one one. If you don't roll any ones after all of that die rolling, <laughs> your turn is done and you just pass the dice. So it's possible you could just get really unlucky. But I suppose if you roll all six dice and don't get a one and then roll all six of them again and do that three times in a row and you never get a one, that seems very unlikely to happen. Uh, it seems more likely if you don't end with a one than you were maybe pushing your luck by um, keeping a couple of dice because you're trying to get a run of dice. In order to dive down, you start at a one and you go down. And as soon as you hit a break in the numbers. So if you have like one, two, four, five, as soon as you get to two, you stop your dive because you don't have a three. And then you put a number of your shells on that level equal to the number of dice of the value of where you stopped. So coming back to that example, if you have one, two, two, four, five, then you could dive down to the second level and put two shells on the second level because you have two twos. To use another example, if you have one, 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 two, three, then you could dive to any of the first three levels. And if you stop at the first level, you put three shells down because you have three ones. Or if you went to the second, level or third level, you just put one shell because you only have one of those. Um, now, if you have a perfect dive, which means you end with a one, two, three, four, five treasure chest, then you don't put any shells down and you grab a treasure chest token from the bottom, which gives you points. Um, you keep playing until the game is over. I forget what that condition was. And then whoever has the most shells on these levels will get these victory point tokens. And if there's a tie, it actually depends on how many shells are on the previous level, I think. It seems like it's a really simple game with a whole bunch of dice chucking, but also some good decisions, I imagine. I mean, maybe they aren't there, but I could certainly see some interesting push-your-luck situations where, you know, you roll the dice and you have three threes, but you don't have any ones. Um, maybe you have a two, so now you do you re-roll everything to try and get that one, or which ones do you roll? Do you keep those threes off to the side? Um, let's say you re-roll and you get a four three, but you still don't have a one, uh, and you have a two, then, you know, do you re-roll some of those threes to increase your odds of actually getting that one, or do you just bust? Um, it seems cute. This is certainly a game I would like to try, not one I'm going to rush out to grab, but from a mechanical appreciation perspective, I think this game looks pretty darn cool. All right, let's move on to the next game, and that one is Jiangnan Life of Gentry. Uh, this is being published by Modius Game Design, and that's the main reason I'm paying attention to it. Um, there doesn't appear to be any images of what the game looks like, and Modius has put out several games in the past, but um, Mini Rails in particular is one that I really quite liked. Um, this is a 60 to 90 minute game, and it says this is a worker placement style game with an action tile bag building um, mechanism. Um, the rest of the description is pretty theme-oriented, uh, but honestly, that right there grabbed my attention. An action tile bag-building game. 
I want to know more. Is it every player has their own bag? Is there a communal action tile bag that people are drawing out of? Um, just the idea of action tiles in a bag building game. So maybe you increase your ability to do certain actions by putting more of those tiles in the bag. Maybe you have to pull some other tiles out so you do other actions worse. That all sounds quite interesting. It could end up being a fascinating game overall, or it could turn into something that I'm not particularly interested in. Uh, but for now, I am subscribed on BoardGameGeek, and I am actively looking forward to learning more uh, specifically about that action tile bag building system. Next up, we have Mil Fiori, which is another Reiner Knizia game, this one being published by Schmidt Spiel. Um, there is a decent description on BGG. Uh, I skimmed through it, but it's my understanding from a very high level that in this game, there's 110 spots out here in the middle of the board, and there are 110 cards that come in the game, each card being specifically associated with one of these spots. Um, now, I believe there's kind of a draft going on where you draw cards from a hand and then pass them on, and then the cards that you draw will dictate where you put your little... Um, translucent tokens down on the board, and then once the game is over, you score victory points for where your tokens are, depending on um, where your tokens are. <laughs> in some of the areas, you get points, I think, for being in rows and columns. Uh, other spots, I think, are about adjacency for other colors, and just all sorts of different scoring potential ideas are out here. Each one of these zones scores differently. So it seems like it's a simple system where you're putting these out, and it kind of reminds me of Bunny Kingdom as well as Acquire, which came out a lot longer ago than uh, Bunny Kingdom, but those are also games where you have cards that are associated with a specific spot on the board, and then by taking that card, you reserve that spot and you hope to get points for it. I don't really know anything else about the game, but that seems intriguing enough for me to be interested in trying this one. Um, I wouldn't say Reiner Knizia is my favorite board game designer, but I've definitely enjoyed many of his designs in the past, and I tend to highlight them in these games radar vlogs if you've been watching these for a while. Um, every time a uh, Reiner Knizia game comes out, odds are good I'm going to talk about it, uh, just because I am uh, in love with various mechanisms in games, and it seems like he can really do some fascinating ideas with mechanisms that other games have. I think he does come up with his own stuff as well, but he's particularly good at combining other mechanisms and really refining things that I've seen in other games. All right, next up we have New York City. Uh, this one is a 2022 release from Stefan Feld, and in particular, this re-implements Rialto. Uh, Rialto is a Stefan Feld game that came out, I think, back in 2015, um, and I still own it. Um, that's in our collection because I love the central action system of that game, where at the beginning of the round, you deal out face-up hands of cards, and then in turn order, players take the cards that they want into their hand, and then you use those cards for bidding to do various things. Um, I wasn't in love with every part of Rialto, but I loved the idea of drafting your face-up hand of cards so much that it's still in our collection. And this is a re-implementation of Rialto. It's part of the expanding City Skyline series, I think it's called. Um, uh, City Collection. <laughs> there we go. Series where um, Stefan Feld and Queen Games are essentially redoing previous Stefan Feld uh, designs. Um, you have Hamburg, which is a new version of Bruges. You have Amsterdam, which is a new version of Macau. And now you have New York City, which is a new version of Rialto. Um, apparently, there's going to be um, brand new games in this line as well. Um, but either way, um, looking at the description of this game, it kind of sounds like Rialto, so that's not too surprising. Uh, it does seem like this description does not talk about constructing the buildings that you activate in Rialto, though, which honestly was a part of that game that I was not crazy about. In general, I like building things and making engines, but I don't know, something about that just didn't have enough options or whatnot for me in the original game. So I'm hoping that maybe that part is going to be revamped overall. 
Rialto is such a neat game where you are bidding through various rounds with the cards that you have in your hand to place um, these tokens out onto the board. In Rialto, you're putting, I think, like city councilors. And in this game, you are putting out uh, buildings. You're actually constructing buildings into New York City. Uh, the old game had a doge track where it was like, you know, some you know, rich person who is in charge of everything. In this game, you have a press track. Uh, so like, you know, the newspapers and whatnot. Uh, I'm super intrigued to learn more about how New York City is different from Rialto. It's very possible that this one might end up uh, replacing Rialto for my collection. Uh, that's almost certainly going to be happening for Bruges in my collection with Hamburg anyway. So next up, we have Nirvana. Uh, this is a 20-minute game, two to six players, and it looks so darn interesting from a mechanical perspective. Uh, again, if you don't know me very well, if you haven't watched too many of my videos, um, I am drawn like a moth to a flame when it comes to interesting mechanical tweaks in games. I'm not crazy about theme in general. Theme is fine, whatever, but I want to know how the game works. And this is a roll-and-write card shedding game, <laughs> which is just a crazy combination. Roll and write games are games where you roll dice and you write numbers down onto your pad generally. And card shedding games are card games where you have a hand of cards and you're trying to get rid of your cards as quickly as possible, um, usually through um, sets of cards or runs of cards and that kind of thing. Uh, now, the way this game works, from what I can understand from the description, is it's a game in two parts. You play a roll and write game and that builds the cards that you then use to then shed in the second half of the game. Uh, you roll these dice, and then I think everybody has to take all three of the values from the three dice, and then you write those into the three region areas on your card. Uh, I believe you keep doing this until every one of these regions is full, and then you actually add up the values in the columns of this region that you've been building out, and those become the values of the cards that you now have in your hand, and now you play a card shedding game where you are playing these cards, I think by crossing them out, and trying to get rid of them as quickly as possible and I think the first person to get rid of all of their cards wins. This is such a wacky idea. <laughs> I couldn't help but uh, talk about it. I'm not sure if it would even actually be that fun, but from an intrigue perspective, I love the idea of, of crafting cards that you then play. Um, I'm assuming you hide this area so that your opponents don't know the values of the cards uh, that you are crafting towards as these dice are being rolled, but what a neat idea. Um, it appears there might be some cards that come in the game that maybe change things up as well. I'm not really sure about those specifics, but um, this game looks so fascinating. It definitely um, hits me right in my weak spot <laughs> as a board gamer. Uh, it's being published by by, uh, Korea board games, and um, I'm assuming they're going to be going to Essenspiel. I've bought games from them in the past when I have visit, have gone there, and if I was going to Essenspiel, I think this one would also be so high up the list for me to grab just to try it because it seems so strange. Again, I'm not going to Essen, so odds are unlikely that I'll have the chance to get a copy of this one, but um, man, I would love to give this one a try at some point. All right, the next game is Pilgrimage Start Your Journey. Um, now, sometimes in these games radar vlogs, there are games that I talk about for superficial reasons, and this is one of those games. Uh, from a mechanical perspective, it is a uh, movement game with network and route building, apparently. Um, it seems like you're moving your tokens around on this board. The reason I'm talking to you about it is because this game looks beautiful. <laughs> I was cruising through the listings on BoardGameGeek, and I saw this one, and I hit subscribe before I even read the description. There's an image of the map, and there's just something about the the way this map looks, the art style. It has that cartographer vibe of somebody who just drew this map out. It just has a wonderful aesthetic. I'm not sure if the game is going to be interesting at all. Um, I do like routes as well. It seems like as you move along these routes, various things are going to happen. I don't know if there are interesting ways to move down the routes. Um, honestly, the reason I'm paying attention to this game is because I want to see more of the art. It just, again, hits me in my 
um, art weak spot, if that makes sense, because I am a sucker for maps, especially like um, terrain maps and that kind of thing, like not hyper-realistic ones, but maps that look like maps. And this definitely has that going on. So I'm subscribed to this one and I'm looking forward to learning more. Oh, it looks like, oh, I'm not actually signed into Board Game Geek right now. That's why it doesn't show that I'm a subscriber. But either way, I'm looking forward to learning more and seeing more about Pilgrimage. Next up, we now have Radioactive Bees. Uh, this is a game that apparently went up on Kickstarter and then they canceled the Kickstarter and now they're going to put out a new one. Um, there's a decent sized description. There's also some videos and I watched both of them. And honestly, I went into those videos not expecting to talk about it today. But after watching them, I, I had to because this game is, it seems like it's a really neat tiling style game. Uh, the way it works is you're going to play through multiple phases of tiling on this um, beehive in the middle of the table. Um, you have these tokens that all are a size three and there's different shapes. And you start by just placing these tiles out. Um, you have to fill up the entire first level until you're allowed to play up onto a higher level. And when you start playing on higher and higher levels, you are trying to have as many of your bee icons showing on top. Um, and you don't necessarily actually want to cover your opponents. On each of these tokens, um, in general, there's one or more of your icons and some blank spots as well. And if you cover up your opponent's icons, you give them points. So that's fascinating. I played lots of tile games where you want to cover up your opponent's areas, but in this one, your real priority is having as many of your bees showing while not stomping on your opponent's bees. Uh, and you're trying to lay your tile out to make it difficult for your opponent to place theirs down. And you might even position it so that they have to cover up some of your bees to then give you points. Now, I said this is a multi-phase game because you are going to keep playing these down until you can't play anymore. That can look something like this, where you have this really honeycomb beehive looking thing of these really tall stacks. Now, once no one can play any more of their tokens, every single one of your bees that is showing will gain a radioactive uh, token, which is this kind of uh, hexagonal shape. You slot that in, you then deconstruct the entire board, leaving those shapes slotted in, and then you play again. And you do this again, and you do it again until a, you reach an end game condition. And the goal of the game is to make your bees radioactive. I guess thematically, if they are out in the open when you finish stacking up all the way, they become radioactive. So you want to get them more and more radioactive. And when you cover up a radioactive bee that has any of these symbols, you actually give even more points, I believe, to your opponent whose bee you just covered up. So that idea of having this Thailand game that gets big and then you affect, you essentially incentivize, you add points to these tiles, you deconstruct, and then you do it again. Sounds super cool. It's essentially a tile upgrading tile land game. And that just sounds fascinating. Um, so yeah, I did want to talk about it. I wanted to show some of the images. Um, if you were just hearing about this one, I do recommend looking at some of the photos they have on BoardGameGeek because um, it's just a cool aesthetically looking game that won me over. Honestly, like I said, I went into the uh, video expecting to be like, oh, it's another tile land game, whatever. And the more I learned about it, the more I was like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool too. Um, now, <laughs> I figure it would probably take a while to do all this tiling. It says it's a 30 to 60 minute game for one to four players. I don't know how many times you generally construct up and then deconstruct. Um, I could certainly see for me, who tends to do a bit of analysis paralysis, it would probably be on the slightly longer side. But even if it ends up being a 60 minute game, I think that's super fascinating. And this is one I would honestly enjoy trying at some point. 
Next up, we have Rise of the Metro. Uh, now, this game uh, does have some images on BGG. It's a relatively quick-to-play game where you are doing route building, and I am such a sucker for route building these days. Um, on your turn, I believe you're just going to put one of your little uh, track tokens down, I guess Metro uh, tokens down, and you are not allowed to connect up different train stations that have already been connected by other players, I believe. So you're trying to build out this Metro line, trying to obviously have your lines be more prevalent and get in the way of your opponents, at least get in the way as far as connecting up before them because it looks like the lines can go next to each other. And I just love the aesthetics of this game. I, I mentioned that I love maps earlier. I particularly love Metro maps of um, various uh, uh, systems like BART, uh, as well as the maps that I've seen in like Paris and New York, where you have the um, sometimes above ground, sometimes below ground uh, subways. And I just love those flowing solid lines. And it looks like you actually build that out in this game, which really grabs my attention. I don't think this game is particularly easy to acquire. It's a 2020 release, so it came out last year. Um, I, I'm I'm really uh, intrigued to try this one. It says it's a 30-minute game. I poked around to try and see if I could pick up a copy, and so far that hasn't actually happened. But at some point, I do wish to because this just seems like it's hitting my sweet spot as far as aesthetics that I like, as well as uh, logistics and route building that I also like. And uh, on top of that, it just seems like it's a pretty elegant game with a pretty small rule set. Now that actually leads us directly into Shinjuku, which <laughs> looks a lot similar to the game that we were just looking at. Um, in this game, you are also building out track uh, and you also have various um, hubs and metro hubs and that kind of thing. But this looks like it's a more complex game. I don't think it's crazy complex, but it definitely has more going on than Rise of the Metro. Uh, in this game, you don't actually... I guess, score for the specific rail lines that you're putting out. The goal of this game is to transport your uh, customers from where they are to stores that you control. Uh, so you might have food stores, you might have clothing stores, and there's these customers that come out on the cards, and you want to build out the tracks and then actually move those customers over. Um, it seems like it's got some really interesting ideas going on here. I like pick up and deliver. I like logistics. I like um, the fact that I think you can use these cards in a couple of different ways to actually do these things. Um, I, there's a shut up and sit down overview video that I watched and um, uh, Quinn's mentioned that it, it almost has a brass feel from a mechanical perspective with the cards where you get these cards and then you can spend them to do various actions like you can do in brass. Um, I love brass. I'm not saying this is like brass at all, but <laughs> it just looks really cool. And I know that these customers are neutral. They kind of stack up. So you become more and more incentivized to move the customers from one region, uh, shifting them along these routes. And I think you give points to other people when you use their routes, but ultimately you want to get these customers into your stores so that they shop at your stores and give you money. And I think that just sounds super neat. Um, this game is listed as a 2019 release, so I guess it came out a little while ago. <laughs> um, it also says it's a 60-minute playtime, so I don't think it's crazy complex. And just like Rise of the Metro, this is one I really want to try. It seems like they are hitting a similar vibe, but from different mechanical perspectives and uh, different complexity perspectives as well. This one looks super fun. I, I really want to try this one at some point. Uh, next up, we have Slay the Spire, the board game. Uh, this is listed as a 2022 release, and there is very little uh, information on Board Game Geek, but... I love Slay the Spire as a video game. Um, well, there's a bit of asterisk to that. I don't really like roguelike style games, and this is a roguelike where essentially you play until you fail and then you lose essentially everything. But I played Slay the Spire for, I don't know, 
10, 15 hours when it first came out um, until I got sick of the roguelike aspect to it. But from a deck building perspective, because that is a deck building video game, I really liked the things that it had going on. And so when they announced this, the fact that it's a uh, 30 to 150 minute uh, game for one to four players um, based off of the video game, I got super intrigued. It's apparently a cooperative deck building adventure where you craft a unique deck, encounter bizarre creatures, discover relics of immense power, and finally become strong enough to slay the spire. Um, the fact that it's cooperative really gets my attention, honestly. I think uh, I haven't played that many cooperative deck builders. I know that they are certainly out there, but this makes me more intrigued to give this a shot. Uh, the video game is excellent. Again, it's not exactly my style, which is why I don't play it that much anymore, but um, it really is an excellent video game, and I have high hopes that maybe the uh, board game will be great as well. All right, next up we have Spectaculum, which is not new. <laughs> this is a 2012 release. It's also, I believe, the third game uh, designed by Reiner Knizia that I'm talking about today. Uh, now, this game uh, came to my attention recently. I think somebody commented on one of my videos uh, where I was talking about being in love with Cube Rails games lately, and they asked me if I'd heard of Spectaculum, which I hadn't. Uh, now, this is effectively a cube rails game, but it has nothing to do with trains from a thematic perspective. And honestly, I love that. Um, no offense to trains or whatnot, but I feel like cube rails games would probably potentially be more popular if their themes were more varied than just trains. Uh, for example, when I played Northern Pacific um, a month or two ago with uh, some friends, I taught it to them. Um, they really liked it. And one of them was just like, this should not be a train game. That game is so light and it has these really interesting social dynamics happening around the table that it should have, I don't know, a zoo theme or just something else that's not trains progressing along the Northern Pacific area of the United States. Uh, I don't have anything against that theme in particular, but I do think that Northern Pacific would probably have done better with a more vibrant, interesting, non-train theme, and that could have made it, I think, reach a broader audience. Uh, I think most people, like myself, when I first heard about Northern Pacific, gave it no thought, because um, at the time when I first heard about it, I thought I didn't like train games, and that name just did not do anything for me. So coming back to Spectaculum, <laughs> This is effectively a cube rails train game, but it's um, all about the circus. <laughs> There's no trains happening here at all. Um, so much like most cube rails games, you're going to be laying out these routes for the different uh, companies, and you're going to be buying, and in this game, also selling stock in these different, um, well, I guess, circus shows <laughs> companies. Um, now, the mechanics of this game I actually really like because at the beginning of your turn, you randomly draw three tokens out of the bag and those tokens are associated with the four companies. And you then place the tokens down onto the board. And when you place them down, you can actually increase the value or decrease the value of various uh, company shares. Um, now you can also buy or sell shares on your turn, I guess buy and sell as well, up to two things. I'm trying not to go into the specifics, but what this means is you could pull these tokens, look at them and then say, okay, I'm gonna buy this stock and then sell that one, then place these tokens out and then increase the value of the stock that you just bought and then decrease the value of the stock that you just sold because you got more money out of it and now your opponents who have stock in that company are sad. Um, I love the idea that you have that random draw for these companies. Uh, in many Cube Rails games, you have the decision of, okay, which company's track do I put down right now? Maybe you have to have stock in the company um, in order to do that. But this game just disregards all that. It just says, here's three random tokens, do the best you can and try to manipulate the stock market as best you can. And I love that idea. Um, this is a game that I'd really love to try for 
those reasons that I've already said, but also I've been really enjoying Cube Rail's stock type uh, games lately, and I want to see what Reiner Knizia does with the system. Um, as I've mentioned already in this video, I think he uh, has some really great ideas for mechanics, and he can refine them in fascinating directions. And this is a uh, stock type, operational type mechanic that I enjoy in Cube Rail's games. So even though the game is, you know, nine years old, this is one that I would really like to try at some point. And honestly, I feel like I would probably be able to. Um, be more likely to get this one down to the table with some people that I know than I would with a game, you know, called Northern Pacific or Iberian Gage. Uh, so yeah, hoping to play this one at some point in the future. It's probably not going to be too hard to actually get a copy. Uh, now I'm curious. I didn't actually look it up. I'm trying not to buy that many board games lately, but I've definitely ended up buying a lot of board games. There's only four copies of it on the Board Game Geek Marketplace. Um, so maybe this one isn't easy to come by, but either way, at some point in the future, maybe at Board Game Geek Con or something, I, I definitely want to try this one out. Okay, now it's time to move on to the next game, which is That Time You Killed Me, which is a great title. Uh, this is coming out from uh, Pandasaurus Games, and it's a two-player game that takes 15 to 30 minutes. And I'm just going to read a little bit of the description because this is fascinating. It says, you and your opponent are rival time travelers trying to erase each other from history. To prove you are the one true inventor of time travel, you must use your invention to find your enemy in time and murder them before they murder you. Unfortunately, since your enemy has strewn many copies of themselves across the timeline, you may have to do the terrible deed many, many times before it sticks just make sure you don't get erased first. So this seems to be a pretty abstract style game where you have multiple boards, and I think these are different timelines, essentially, and you're going to be moving your tokens around, and you can, I think, go into the past with one of your tokens, and when you do that, you actually duplicate yourself, and then if you don't do things in the right amount of time, I guess your tokens actually proceed into the future, and then you can have multiple copies of yourself, because your past self has met up with your present self that was thinking about going into the past. <laughs> I think from a mechanical perspective, it's really good, actually, to hear that this is a abstract, relatively quick playing game, because time travel is kind of crazy when you start thinking about it, and I think it's often not done very well, because I think it's often overdone, if that makes sense, like too much thought into the nitty gritty mechanics of things and the theming of it uh, can happen. Whereas abstracting it out like this, I think is going to be a better way to really harness the, the tension and emotions of time travel more so than getting into the nitty gritty of the potential science of it. Um, I don't play two player games all that much, but I'm fascinated by this. This is certainly one that I would like to try just to explore the mechanics, because again, I love board game mechanics. And uh, in general, time travel is something that I like in theory, but I generally don't like in actuality when it comes to uh, movies, shows, as well as potentially board games. Um, but I'm always curious to see someone's new take on how to show how time travel works, because again, it's a crazy thing to think about. And I, I've definitely enjoyed thinking about it in the past and been frustrated by certain movies and whatnot that, uh, that don't do it as well as I'd like. Uh, But I'm not going to go into a tangent about that. Let's now move on to the next game, which is Thrones of Valyria. This is a 2022 release, and this is actually a trick-taking game in the um, thematic realm of Valyria. There's a whole bunch of Valyria games that have come out at this point. Um, now, in this game, I guess thematically it's the trick-taking game that they play in Valyria, and it says this is a tug-of-war type trick-taking game where you have five different suits of cards and there's really not much else <laughs> about the game over here. Um, I, that's the main reason why I'm curious to learn more about it. 
because um, there's not a whole lot of details. And I like some trick-taking games. I am not crazy about others. Um, also, the term trick-taking can be used somewhat loosely. Uh, in general, I prefer card-shedding slash climbing style games, uh, and sometimes those are called trick-taking games. So <laughs> I'm curious to see more about this, to see how trick-taking it actually is. Uh, the more trick-taking it is, probably the less interested I am in it. Although, again, I'm not against trick-taking in general. It's just not my preferred area. So um, me paying attention to this one is mostly just to learn more about it to see how closely it actually aligns with what I like in uh, card games. Uh, next up, we have Trick of the Rails, <laughs> and uh, this one is also a trick-taking game, uh, but this is also, in addition to that, a train game. Now, this one is quite old. It came out 10 years ago in 2011, and in this game, you have cards, and you are playing a trick-taking style game, and I mean that uh, literally with the trick-taking definition. Um, every player is going to be putting one card out into the middle of the table on their turn, and then whoever did the best with the cards that they put out is going to win that trick, and there you have to follow suits, I think in this game, but then once the trick is won, um, different things happen uh, depending on what round of the game you are actually in. Um, you might take a card as stock in one of the companies in the game, or you might lay cards down as track, and if you don't win the trick, I think you always take the uh, card that you played as stock. I could be wrong about that. I skimmed a video just to see, uh, just to learn a little bit about it. But um, as I mentioned before, I am a sucker for different mechanics being smashed together and having trick-taking along with a cube rails-style light uh, train game being smashed together has me super intrigued. Now, I don't think this game is particularly easy to come by uh, because I don't think it had a huge print run. I mean, honestly, this is a bit of a niche. <laughs> you have to like trick-taking games and you have to like lighter weight uh, train games to be interested in this one. Uh, but at some point in the future, I, I do hope to have a chance to try this one because it seems fascinating. Um, I'm not sure if I would fall in love with it, I, I, I wouldn't know without trying it. Um, honestly, I could bounce right off of it, but I'm so intrigued that I want to see how it works. Um, even just playing this once and not liking it would be would make me happy, if that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, I think let's move on to the next game. There's a lot of games that I'm talking about today, and this one is Union Station. Um, well, I was talking about lighter weight train games, and here is another one. This is a Cube Rails style game. Um, this one is designed by Travis Hill, who I talked about earlier. Um, he designed Card Rails Junction and um, also Card Rails. Uh, now, this game is going to be going up on Kickstarter in October, I believe. I'm not going to be doing a sponsored video for this, but I might be doing some form of coverage for this game that I'm not going to go into the details of. Uh, now, this is a stocks-focused type Cube Rails game. So what that means is... In many of these games, well, in most of these games, you are laying track out and you are also buying and potentially selling stocks. And in some of these games, they are primarily operational, which means laying track, and then you also get stocks. And in other ones, the focus is on the stocks. And this is a game where the focus is on the stocks. Um, in this game, you are laying out the tracks for the various companies. You're stacking these tokens on top of each other. And then you are going to be buying stocks and that will increase the value of the company. Dividends will happen, which will pay out money, but then also you can sell stocks. And when you sell stocks, you will lower its value by six. And you also sell all of your stock in that specific company. So it has this big dump idea where you're not just, you know, oh, I'm getting rid of one stock here, one stock there to have the liquidity I need to buy other stocks. You're saying, okay, am I done with this company, period? Okay, I'm gonna sell it all off for this current price, tank the stock price, which makes everybody else unhappy who had that stock, and then you continue on with the game. I haven't had a chance to try this one yet, but I will very likely have a chance to play it soon, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, in general, I am more of an operations-style train gamer versus a stocks-heavy train gamer, and this is leaning heavier in the stocks uh, area, but 
that doesn't necessarily scare me away. I'm definitely intrigued to learn more about this. Um, there is a designer diary up on BoardGameGeek for Union Station, and Travis mentioned that Erie Railroad was one of the inspirations for this game, and that is a wacky card-based train style game that I did enjoy my one play of. Uh, so yeah, I have high hopes for Union Station, and I'm looking forward to trying it. Um, after that, we now have Union Stockyards, <laughs> and this is not a train game. Uh, this one is actually a midweight economic Euro game, um, according to the description, with various unique features like a supply and demand-driven market that is central to the game. There's also low randomness, a worker placement game where your workers may go on strike so you lose access to them, and an extensively researched historical theme about one of the great industrial wonders of the U.S. Gilded Age. Um, now, it seems like this game is really all about the meat industry, about um, cattle, hogs, and sheep, and as it said, you have a worker placement uh, thing going on with the game, and your workers can go on strike, which probably means you lose access to them until you pay them better or something like that. Uh, there's also a supply and demand board that I assume will change as players are progressing through the game and, you know, gaining their cattle and slaughtering their cattle and all that. Um, it seems intriguing. I'm curious to learn more about the specific mechanics. If it ends up just being a worker placement game that happens to have workers that you might lose, then maybe I am not going to chase this one down, but I'm certainly looking forward to learning more about it because it seems like it's uh, got a decent framework for being a fascinating game, and uh, um, we'll learn more as time goes on. All right, there's two more games to talk about. This is the second to last one. Uh, this is Virtue, and it's a 2021 release. And this one really grabbed my attention because down in the description, it says that it has a wheel-building mechanic. Uh, now, before we get to that, uh, the uh, theme of this, it says it takes place during the Italian Renaissance with each player embodying one of the powerful Italian cities of the time and trying to make it more powerful than all of the others. Uh, now, getting to the mechanic, it says the foundation of this game is wheel-building, that is creating a wheel of actions on your personal player board, which has a unique arrangement compared to other players, and with you having a different set of starting family cards. Um, now, I looked at some of the images on BGG, there's a whole bunch of them, and it looks like this wheel is actually a set of five cards that you can probably change as the game goes on, and there is a token on there, so I guess this is a rondel. You're probably moving around there, activating these actions. I don't know if you get to skip cards, and I don't know how often you actually change the cards over here, but considering wheel building is the central conceit of the game, it would not surprise me if you are constantly changing these out. And if that's true, then I love the idea of a rondel game where you are upgrading and changing and tweaking that rondel that you are using. Um, there's also a nice map of Italy in the middle of the table and a bunch of other components and cards and stuff. But I'm really intrigued to learn more. Actually, looking at the image, it appears these cards might stack on top of each other on the wheel building. So if you have a card there, you put a new one down, you actually leave the previous card there and it probably affects that spot. That honestly makes me even more excited to learn about this game. That is seems super cool. If you don't swap the cards out, you just add new things on and the previous cards have like a legacy benefit that's probably a, a lower version of what it was before or maybe you just get the entire benefit. I don't know. I'm intrigued by this game. I love the look and I love the idea of that wheel building system and I'm looking forward to learning more about it. All right, we've reached the final game I'll be talking about today, and this one is Westward Rails, and this is another Cube Rails-style game from Travis Hill. Uh, this one is being published by Hollenspiel, uh, I believe, in a couple of months. Uh, Hollenspiel does print-on-demand um, for their publishing model, so that means when this comes out, you can just buy it, and then they make it, and then they send it over to you. Uh, right now, there's not a lot of information about the game on BGG. Apparently, there's going to be a designer diary coming out soon. Um, in the description, um, it essentially says that Westward Rails is a Cube Rails game. <laughs> the description is very 
very high level. Uh, it appears there's going to be building, auctions, and upgrading going on, and I have heard um, that this is going to be a more operational style game. I mentioned when I was talking about Union Station that that is more of a stock-emphasized uh, game as far as the design is concerned, and this one I'm sure there are stocks, but the operation of actually laying track out onto the board is a bigger emphasis, which means if I was a betting man, I'd probably say I'm more likely to enjoy this one versus Union Station, but I'm still super intrigued to try Union Station. And obviously this one as well, since it leans more heavily in the direction of train games that I actually enjoy. So I'm looking forward to learning more about this one, and I think odds are pretty good. I'm just going to buy a copy of it as soon as it becomes available. Uh, now that has brought us to the end of a whole bunch of games that I was talking about there. 32 is quite a bit. Uh, there were about 1,500 games in the list uh, that came through BGG of new editions that I sifted through last night, uh, and many of these also were games that I've just learned about while, you know, following Twitter and various other board game media type things. Um, right now, like literally as I'm recording this, Gen Con is happening. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's even more big announcements that are happening right now. Like if I recorded this tomorrow, maybe I'd have, I'd have three more games to talk about. But um, from a scheduling perspective, I really had to record this today. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm hoping to do another one of these um, shortly off in the future. I always say I, I try to do them monthly and I usually end up doing them bi-monthly. Um, so maybe one will come out in October more likely one will come out in November, but we'll just have to see. But either way, that is going to bring this Games Radar vlog to a close.